So again, we're remembering Jesus' death tonight until he comes, and he is coming again. And so we remember when Jesus was betrayed by one of his own disciples into the hands of murderous men. We remember when the Son of Man was hideously scourged. Isaiah tells us that he was beaten so mercilessly that he couldn't even be recognized as a human being. When Jesus, the innocent Son of God, was condemned and executed as a common criminal, he who had done nothing wrong. When Jesus offered up his life as a substitute sacrifice and died in our place, taking on himself the full wrath of God against sin. Isaiah tells us, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. This is a prophetic message from Isaiah the prophet hundreds of years before it ever happened. When it says he was cut off, it's a violent death prophesied by Isaiah. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. When God the Father made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God through him on the cross. Jesus suffered all of these things, remember, he suffered all of these things willingly. He said, no one takes my life, but I lay it down of myself. We also remember that Jesus could have opted out at any time. But in the greatest act of love, he did not. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass through. What cup? The cup of the cross. If it's possible. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will be done. He said on that night when he was being arrested, do you think to his disciples, do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? He had command of all of that. But he laid it all down at the cross. And Jesus cried out in the darkness and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's pointing back again prophetically to Psalm 22. Jesus could endure the forsaking of every one of his disciples whom he loved and loved him. He could put up with and, de- and endure all the, sub- all the things he was subject to by sinless men. But on that cross, and we say, I'll never know how much it costs. Here's where we never know how much it costs. When he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And because the sin of the world was laid on his son, God, in a sense, turned his back and will never understand the breaking of that eternal Godhead out of love for you and for me. And so when he, then we hear Jesus say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so he, lay, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit and died. Jesus died so that we might be forgiven. So I thought of the disciples as we consider tonight. Those three days after Jesus was murdered and his body placed in the tomb were, in my mind, no doubt, the three darkest days of their whole life. Their hope in him was brutally cut off. 
Their love for him was devastated. Their hearts were broken as they hid in the shadows, overwhelmed with doubts and grief and, yes, tremendous fear. The one they loved was dead, done. But let me say this. The one who loved them was not done yet. And he saw them through it. He said to Peter, I prayed for you. I've prayed for you. And in the garden at John 17, he prayed for his disciples. He had kept them. Then he's praying, Father, keep them through your word. And indeed, God is faithful. And brought them through those three dark nights. Radically changed their lives. Radically. And so for us also. We remember what happened on that night just a few hours before Jesus was to be crucified on the cross. We read in John chapter 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, he knew it was time to go to the cross. His hour had come that he should depart from this world to the Father. Listen, having loved his own, he loved them to the end. He loved them. And it wasn't over yet. He loves us. He loved them to the end. It says, in supper being ended, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So Jesus, knowing these things, went to the cross that he might take care of the problem of sin. When Jesus said these things later on in that upper room, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. It says the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now, there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter motioned to him, John, to ask who it was of whom he spoke. So John, leaning back on Jesus' breast, said, Lord, who is it? And Jesus said, the one whom I give... I dip the bread and give it to him. He's the one. And he dipped the bread and gave it to Jesus Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Now, it's interesting to me as far as this love of Jesus. None of the disciples would have ever guessed it was Judas. Jesus knew. He knew. And yet he loved him to the end. Gave him every opportunity to enter into that place of forgiveness. And then I think of Peter that night. He said, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. And we all know this. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I'll lay down my life for your sake. Peter, Jesus said to him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And I think of Peter on that night when he did betray Jesus the third time, and Jesus being tried before Caiaphas and Annas, and, and Peter's there, and he denies him, and he realizes what just happened. He just did exactly what he said he would never do because he thought he loved Jesus in a way that he had not yet experienced. And in Luke, it tells us Jesus looked. Peter denied the third time, and he realized what Jesus, he thought, that he said this would happen, and it says he wept, but before that happened, just as it's happening, Jesus turns to Peter and says he just looks at him. That wasn't, I told you so. No, that was Peter. I know you, I love you, and I prayed for you. And it, the love in, the, in that, just that 
one glimpse of a catch of the eyes, broke Peter. Have you ever been broken by the love of God like that? He knows you and he loves you. He knows me and he loves me. So what did Jesus say? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Peter, John, James. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. What, what Jesus doing? He's preparing them for the cross. He's preparing them for what's coming. It's not the end. It hasn't, and he's telling that all the way along. And they couldn't even grasp such an incredible thing as what they would see in Jesus' resurrection. And so as we consider tonight our own sin, we look at what God's given to us in the Bible. Is it not encouraging? God doesn't whitewash anything. He says, this is, what is, this is what sin has done, and this is what it looks like all through the Bible. None of us, none of us are worthy. We're sinners, and sinner, sin requires a sacrifice. So Jesus is that substitute sacrifice because God in his love sent him that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have, have it, everlasting life. That's what we're remembering tonight, the cost, something beyond anything we could ever even offer to God, even a trite part of it. But Jesus offered his life for you and for me. So tonight, remember that Jesus died for us, that by his sacrifice, we who believe have the forgiveness of our sins. Listen, past, present, and future. The work is complete and as we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and, listen, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection of life. Do you believe this? We believe it tonight. So we're going to do a little uh, response time here. While this song is being played, would you please take the paper that is on your seat and write on it something in your life for which you need God's forgiveness. It might be a one word. It might be a sentence. Don't write your name. Tonight, this is between you and God only. Now, it might be that you have to go to someone and you have to repent and confess. But right for right now in our time here, this is between you and God only. No one else will ever see that paper that you're writing. They will be obliterated just as our sins are when we confess them before God at his throne of grace. So we'll be responding with these after. But right now, as this song is being played, would you take just a moment and write something on that paper? Not your name, but just write a, something you need God's forgiveness for. And we'll go on after. Hi, I'm Kevin Day, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel South. I really hope you enjoyed the message and that God spoke to your heart through it. If you'd like to know more about our church and find other messages to watch, head over to ccskent.org. And I would love to meet you at one of our Sunday services. God bless you.